Welcome everyone to our First Mover Cyber Monday e-commerce newscast series for everything that has happened or all the important things. We couldn't cover everything. All the important things that have happened in the last four weeks since our last update, our last November Cyber Monday, everything as of December 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern, because as always, there's probably something that happened in the last 15 minutes that we haven't talked about, but, you know, who knows? We might be able to cover that if if you bring it up or if if we see the headline while we're on our, our, our session today. But thank you all for joining us, whether you're joining us live and or on demand. We welcome you however you join us. We are omni-channel in every way and expect you to be nonetheless. Um, we hope that you've had an amazing year. Uh, it's been a long one, but a good one. Um, we hope you all have some awesome holidays planned, uh, a little bit of recharge, even if you're just taking some days to use them up for the end of the year. We hope that you will take a moment to recharge and remember all the things that really matter, um, your health, your family, your friends, you know, putting your own mask on first, but then we're here to help keep you on top of all those wonderful headlines and things in, in the time you took away, um, even if it's a short sabbatical. So thank you all for joining us. Um, for those of you who don't know First Mover, most of you are active First Movers with an E, just to be grammatically correct, but we are, we always welcome you back to the First Mover without an E community. We are your satellite COE or center of excellence for CPG, e-commerce education and change management. Um, we do everything from events and series like you're joining today, um, as well as custom trainings and workshops of all types for all regions, global, local, sales, marketing, supply chain, you name it. Um, I, to, to date, there's only been one thing we had to turn down, and we didn't think anybody had that expertise either. So um, would love to support you in that way. We also do a lot of change management and capability, strategy assessments, um, support. Um, as, as, as we'll generally say, we do the dirty work nobody else wants to do or hasn't done themselves because we've been there doing it um, in the trenches with you. And so if we can ever help you or at least just give you connectivity to somebody who does do something, does have a capability um, or talent you're looking for or opportunities you're looking for, we, we're always here to help all of our fellow first movers uh, win and elevate their own organizations to win. It does take first movers to know first movers. So uh, while it's not about these ugly mugs um, on, on, on this slide, uh, my name is Chris Perry. I'm the chief learning officer and co-founder here at First Mover. I've been in the trenches across uh, CPG leading e-commerce at Reckitt Wellness Pet Company and Kellogg's before getting to work with a lot of wonderful companies from outside my firsthand experience at Edge by Essential. And then for the last two and, year, two and a half years, um, having been able to work with so many other wonderful companies as well um, at First Mover. And I couldn't do any of what we do at First Mover without my partner in crime, Oscar Kashupski, our chief growth officer, fellow co-founder who's been in the digital space for two decades and led e-commerce across Kimberly, Clark, Mondelez, and Kellogg's. Um, we we are your champions. You, know, the, you are the champions of change at your organization. We are the champions of you. Um, and you may not want us to back you up, but if you are in a dark alley, I'm happy to get in the way first, so at least I get knocked out and you have a chance to run. Um, but I promise I'll, I'll add a little bit more than that if I can in such a dark alley. Um, this event that we're on today is one of many different events we put on all year long, and we're actually really excited. We had a, an amazing, I think we had 20-something events. I, I lose count at some point because they're all great, and you don't want to choose one that you love more than the other. But um, we had some awesome events in 2022. Many of you joined us for Cyber Mondays, other events 
All of these are free for brand manufacturers or anyone in between roles. So never feel we're going to exclude you. The bouncer is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty lenient. Um, we want to democratize great education in the space, but we've got our 2023 calendar. You can find all of these at firstmover.com forward slash events. Um, kicking off in January, um, we've got our, we've actually got two events, one called what to expect when you're selecting, which is all about how to enable great capabilities and enable the, the proper life cycle of a solution provider capability to build the right bundle for your organization. Um, we've got also our change management event, Sheared 2. Uh, we did that earlier in February this year. Um, I'm going to come back with, with a second edition on how to lead change in your organization um, with, with the eight factors of change that can really help you enable um, even, even organizations who embrace e-commerce to go to that next level. But then after January, we've got all of our retailer-focused events, Instacart in February, Walmart in March, uh, Amazon, EU, and U.S. in April, Kroger Albertsons in May. We've got a, cat, a BevAlk event in June, um, and then Amazon again in September, and then a Target event in October. And then also interspersed in those will be some events uh, within our Smart series, um, all about how to drive very specific types of growth, how to, how to enhance your profitability in e-commerce, how to leverage data more effectively, as well as how to enable uh, more effective workflows on your teams, right? How do, how do we get the processes right in content, in media, and more? Um, because all of those are the next level, right? We can check off the box that we've done the digital shelf, but how do we scale it? How do we, how do we in, enable a process that makes it faster and more effective? How do we ensure profitability despite having a portfolio that might sell online? How do we make sure it stays online, right? There's so many cool topics, so much for you uh, in store for you next year. And like I said, they're all free for, for all of you first movers out there. So please join us. We'd love to have you. So let's get into Cyber Monday today. And as always, we've organized our headlines in our, our kind of three buckets of our own flywheel that we feel really does feed the news today and all of the updates in the industry. And it all parks back to the fact that winning offline or in-store actually requires winning online first. And that wasn't always true, but it is true ever since COVID, if not just a bit before COVID, because digital is driving the growth, shopper influence in-store, and merchant decisions on the planogram. Um, so it's that digital influence that's even greater than the digital sales. The shelf is shrinking to the consumer because of how they engage e-commerce, because of last mile innovation and and capability, and because the store is actually evolving and being used differently. And then ultimately, while that shelf is shrinking, there's more competition from brands, from challengers, from third-party sellers, from retailers, from last milers, and that all continues to fuel the digital drive, which then fuels the others. So you'll see our headlines kind of fit into those buckets, um, but they obviously, if it helps organize what sometimes may seem like an interesting PR opportunity, but not always a logical so what for me. And I also, uh, I, as I said, I'm normally joined by my partner in crime, Oscar Kashubsky, but he is traveling abroad, visiting some family from the Ukraine in, in Europe um, who was able to get out. Um, and so we're very excited about that. We're, we're sorry to miss him today, um, but he's he's where he should be. But we, we couldn't be more than happier to, to welcome Todd Hassenfeld, who's the e-commerce director 
a growth strategy and planning at Colgate Palmolive, but more importantly than just his title today, it's he is one of our top first movers. Um, he is one of our serious level torch uh, certification program members and just a, a not only a genius in the space, but an awesome friend in the industry. And he was very, uh, very generous to, to offer his time and brain power uh, to assess some of these great uh, headlines that we, we kind of pulled together from an active point of view of someone in the trenches leading uh, leading the charge. So, Todd, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Chris, for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be part of this. Uh, listen to many of these, and, and we'll we'll do my best to fill in for Oscar, like you said, uh, with family in the right spots. But uh, just thank you to uh, you and Oscar for everything you do for the community to make us all learners and help us uh, all feel like uh, we, we have an advocate for us. So thank you. No, thank you. And, and as, as I always say, it's if we can do better there and, and actually be in that dark alley to protect you as, as, as your backup, please let us know. I, I don't know how effective I'll be yet, but I can always take karate. I promise I'll get there. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, no, but thank you, Todd. And, and very excited to kick off. So we're going to start with our, as always, we kind of start with our digital is driving bucket. And that usually leads us to the interesting developments in the last month. But while most of this may seem far off in the rearview mirror for a lot of us, even though we may still be providing assessments of how we did during Cyber 5 um, for anybody who was celebrating that very large retail set of events, um, it shouldn't surprise us that while expected to be stronger in growth, even amid the recession and inflation than last year, it was. Um, consumers spent a record $11.3 billion, according to Adobe Analytics, on Cyber Monday, that was up almost 6% versus year, uh, year ago. Um, this Cyber 5, as the five days in total, um, as we like to call it, uh, spent a total of $35.3 billion, which was up about 4%. Um, and you can see, obviously, that Cyber Monday, you know, it pulled, anchored that a little bit as a lot of deals were saved for that Monday um, or that Cyber Week, that official Cyber Week. Um, and Black Friday was actually up as well, up about 2.3%. Um, Thanksgiving up a little bit higher than that. Um, and, and, and what was also helpful to understand too is while this not depicted in the chart, um, in-store traffic was actually up as well. We'd actually seen some different dynamics in past years, especially during COVID, but even as in-store traffic was dropping, some of that, to be fair, was partly based on how retailers were open or not open at different times. Um, as they saw their dollars shifting online. Um, but we did see strong growth. Is it softer than in previous years? Yes. Is some of that because it's off a larger base? Yes. Um, is some of that, though, dampened a bit because of inflation and recession impact on consumer spending? For sure. Um, and so, but we, we saw, it's not surprising that there was a lot of a strong lift because there were a ton of discounts to take advantage of on all categories, not just the holiday discretionary items, but on essentials as well. It was interesting to see, though, to some degree, you know, and, and to be fair, maybe some of this dampening was also due to the fact that an Amazon, as an example, really pulled forward the holidays with their prime early access deals, which we talked about in our prior uh, you know, no, November recap. Um, it, at some point, they're only finite dollars and they do shift around. So when one might look at, well, maybe Amazon and some of the leading retailers didn't see a strong lift in during the Cyber 5. It could have been because only a month prior, they also saw a, a decent lift during those those windows when everybody was competing as well. So ultimately, 
there is a softness in this space and everybody's trying to figure out how we're going to manage our ambitious goals for, you know, the upcoming years and especially even next year. And what, what does that look like? But there is still strong growth here. Um, and there's still a lot of opportunity. And we do know that if we don't win here, we don't win there, if you will, uh, you know, in, in store as well. So that influence is really important. But Todd, what did, what did you see from this? From this season, I mean, you don't have to speak for obviously you don't have to give away as, as ever any of your secrets at Colgate, but just what you saw from an industry perspective. Yeah, I think it's interesting to remember, you know, if you're a brand out there and having internal conversations about this, is you know, it's with online and in store, it's and. and and while we can't measure it like every week, it, the digitally influenced sales factor, right? Yes, people are going back to stores; they want to experience it, but they're doing a lot of their research ahead of time on the apps or searching on Amazon or elsewhere, right? So I think the digitally influenced sales is an important part, and then. You know, the article talks about how much has increased that that online shopping portion on mobile. And when you think about your content, it has to be with a mobile lens um, and making sure that you're connecting with consumers and not confusing them or thinking about how titles can be truncated. So I think this article kind of shows how much more uh, mobile is being used from last year even. So when you think about just the online piece. You know, the pricing is interesting, right? And we, we know there's inflation pressure and a lot of things going on. But, you know, I, I think as a brand, you have to you have to be cautious is where is that, you know, that race to the bottom concept? And, and, and how are these deep discounts resetting kind of, you know, consumers' price expectations? You know, you and Oscar have talked about in Pat, you know, a couple of uh, Cyber Mondays ago about the, the Asia-Pacific kind of festival season and how you just kind of yeah. wait uh, for the next one, right? 10, 10, 11, 11, 12, 12, et cetera. Um, you know, are, are we getting to that point? I, I don't know. I guess it'll be interesting to see how December shakes out here, right? Um, and, and our people, whether it's in store or online, how do the, you know, did everyone just kind of, do we pull forward, like you mentioned, or are people out there? I, one person's opinion, I was taking my sons, Alex and Jake, to see Santa yesterday at the mall, and it was packed, right? The weekend before, uh, weekend before the holiday here. So, um, you know, what, one person's opinion, but we'll, we'll see how the sales shake out. Is it, is it softer, uh, or do we have a strong finish here? Well, and, and to your point, Todd, the, What's what's interesting is in, in a lot of the Asia Pacific markets, again, for anybody who doesn't work in them or, or shop in them, um, and I'm I'm not I, I'm in North America myself, so I'm not I'm not living and breathing that every day. But having seen it and and, and worked with organizations who are actively winning in it or, or or striving to win in it, they are in in a mode where every month is is this double digit holiday, not to mention other elongations of these, right? It's something that starts on singles day on 11-11 isn't just on singles day now. It's expanded. There's pre, pre-sales and current sales, during sales and post-sales and follow-up sales. And then, and, and the challenge is every retailer tried to create their own and, and or elongate their own only for the others to try to match them. And so today, to, uh, maybe thankfully today, not because we don't want deals, but it does cause a I wait for the next deal situation. I'm, I'm just I shop on promo, right? The issue is in the U.S. we've got Cyber Five and holidays, and then we've got Prime Day, t- typically obviously in the summer. Um, outside of seasonal promos like a back to school type, uh, you know, program or a New Year New You deals, the problem is if Amazon pulls forward and then Target deal days adds in and then Walmart plus weekend comes in. And, and I'm not knocking any of these players, but if they each try to create their own one, they add a new one. Um, 
Two, everyone follows them, meaning that then everyone is now on, like if Target deal days added one a quarter, then it's Amazon deal days too. So it's not, it's not, effectively it becomes a new holiday and we're, we're probably only a few years away from this becoming quarterly or monthly in a pretty big way if everyone follows the dominoes uh, the way they did in, in other markets. So it is something to be aware of because you may have to play, but like the problem is we can kind of, we can say, I don't want to walk down that path. It could go that path um, without us wanting it. Um, and then we may be forced to play because if you don't, you lose the volume. And yet then that has the impact to your point, Todd, on consumer equity and, you know, and, and willingness to trade up during a recession when they don't normally have to ever trade up because they always buy you on deals. So these are all things just to be aware of as we. As yeah. As we you know, it's interesting too, just looking at, uh, in Amazon, the search terms, right? Which terms are the top 10 terms looking from, uh, two weeks ago? You know, six of the top 10, when I looked at it, were gift related. You know, things like stocking stuffers or white elephant gifts. I mean, that, that's going beyond, um, you know, you know, kind of the staples, let's say, or traditional gifts per se. So, you know, there's a little bit more hope there, but then you also see, you know, there's a Wall Street Journal article yesterday saying people are buying more about, are looking for experiences more than goods. Uh, so, you know, I, I think as a brand, again, you have to kind of think about, okay, how, how do I connect with the consumer? But it's, it's interesting times. And, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a podcast that was done recently by Andrew Lipsom on reimagining retail, but kind of the history of Cyber uh, Cyber Monday and the coining of that term going back to 2002 and then 2005 when it was officially coined. So interesting one there for uh, people trying to figure out how this all came to be. No, for sure. So looking at uh, as our as our lines continue to blur in the industry, um, you know, is it is it social? Is it commerce? Um, I think it's. You know, how do us as brands, like, how do we define these channels or these lanes with uh, with the blurring? And an example here is, you know, social media's TikTok continues to attempt to bring an e-commerce element to their app, uh, at least in the U.S., and while, you know, an e-commerce leader in Amazon is launching uh, another aspect of social media-like feature called Inspire. So, you know, which one is Amazon more like TikTok or is TikTok more like Amazon? We, we have to figure that out. But, you know, looking at the details of this, uh, you know, TikTok is calling this TikTok shop, uh, you know, full-fledged e-commerce capabilities uh, in the U.S. There are, there are some of these, uh, or there, are, there is an example of this in the U.K. and Indonesia, uh, but this is part of uh, ByteDance's TikTok's parent companies. You know, Project Aquaman, so a, f- a fun name uh, that they're doing, trying to get uh, more of a, a live stream shopping business in the U.S. as well. So, uh, so a portion there for social commerce. But you think about, you know, this isn't the first news of this from TikTok, and, and these have gone up and down depending on the social media if they're investing more or less. But TikTok recently, you know, has had you know job postings in LinkedIn with. You know, product fulfillment centers, right? That got a lot of, um, a lot of attention. Uh, Shopify is letting U.S. retailers, you know, do things with TikTok to tag, uh, you know, make it more frictionless to try to help, uh, shop right off of sites. So it's interesting how this social piece, uh, is trying to become more like, you know, more like e-commerce and allow people to shop right where they are and then go back to watching, uh, whatever they were, let's say on TikTok in this case. But then you look on the other side of it with Amazon now e-commerce trying to, you know, say, hey, telling brands we, we are more top of funnel. It's not just conversion focused. 
So they're taking a bet on social commerce with what they're calling Inspire, um, which is both a, you know, video and, uh, you know, static image kind of, you know, scrolling like, like you would do on TikTok or any other social media. Uh, but again, this is, you know, kind of their continued focus on top of funnel awareness for brands trying to, um, you know, trying to get more investment dollars there. Uh, again, going back to the mobile piece and the focus there, Inspire right now, very limited on who has it. If you have the light bulb in, in your search bar, you're lucky you have it right now uh, in the U.S., uh, but they say more users will get it uh, in the coming months. So excited to see what this, you know, what this looks like. But I, I think the, the big aspect here, too, is the data that Amazon continues to collect, right, and learn more about their consumers, which will ultimately you know, help the advertising business. So, uh, you know, when you look at Amazon's site to learn a little bit more about Inspire, they talk about, you know, customers can contribute by just submitting a product review, continuing their edge there. Uh, Amazon influencers and, and others, really social media influencers, right? If they're in their program, you can be a part of it. And then brands, you know, this is, this is the truth. This is like real life here. Benefit of being a first mover. If you have been, you know, repurposing, let's say maybe your Instagram post, for Amazon post or being, you know, utilizing and being active with your Amazon brand store, you're probably going to have some learnings here uh, and, and maybe have some advantages uh, right off the bat with Inspire. So, uh, you know, last thing I'll say about it, I was curious just to see, again, going back to searches, are consumers looking for this if they don't have that light bulb or can't find it? If I just search the word Inspire for Amazon search frequency rank, it was in about 200,000. It's not, not great, but, a, but a, you know, a pretty good amount. That'd be higher than some brand names that you may, we may mention. And what's interesting, while there's a lot of different variations of Inspire for Fitbits and books, when you look at just the word Inspire by itself, the conversion rate is 0%, right? So it looks like they're exactly looking for this social media feed from Amazon. It's just not there yet. So uh, interesting. But, Chris, anything to add on these two? No, no. Uh, well, there was one question from from our audience here, um, and I, I don't know the exact answer. I don't want to. I don't, and you might know, uh, Todd. But just having this rolled out and having seen the way they talked about it and what categories. The question was: Are Amazon Fresh items available on Inspire today? I would imagine probably not, only because I, I imagine it, it could be. I, I I don't have the light bulb. I wasn't one of the chosen few um, yet, so I can't see it, but. Um, I would imagine it probably some of those traditional CPG and food and dev may not have been, have, have made it here yet only because there's so many other, you know, premium high involvement, you know, dis- discretionary discovery categories, but that doesn't mean it couldn't be, doesn't mean it won't be added. But I, I didn't see anything mentioning the food categories. I don't know if you did, Todd. Yeah, correct. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the light bulb yet either. Um, but I, I, I did not remember. I do not remember seeing uh, fresh categories or Amazon Fresh being part of this yet. Right? Could it be? Sure. Uh, but I don't see it uh, on the list of of, of uh, categories yet. What What I did. What to your point, Todd? What 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 is interesting about this? And I realized for some of our categories, you know, for some traditional CPG categories. We might not fall into the there is there's a place for discovery, but the discovery might play a slightly different decision tree and shopper journey depending on what kind of category you're in. But what is interesting, I only say this. I know this sounds silly, but maybe as a shopper of one, I know I'm not like everyone, but I don't go to the store that often um, anymore. Um, 
And so when I do, it's almost like it's almost like overwhelming to discover in store because there's just so much coming at you more than you would on a mobile device or a tablet or on even on desktop where it's a little you know, again the shelf is smaller online even when you are discovering on a category page or through something like something like this inspire capability. So it's almost what's funny is we we went to a local outdoor mall with stores, you know, like in, indoor stores and we went in, you know, to like the paper store and it was actually like kind of refreshing to go into a store again and see things that you would normally bump into. Um not not all things that you necessarily need or that would have been gifts you would have given, but it was but it was also a little overwhelming. Your mind didn't know where to go first and and then but the opposite though is there's less to see online all at one time, but then you're so used to spear fishing for what you go get that you don't yeah, there is obviously an effort from an Amazon as an example to and if I say gifts for you know cat lovers or you know gifts for writers or gifts for you know moms or whatever like it does try to find things that obviously have been optimized for that but to be fair better tools to help me find better consideration sets for very specific you know categories functions audiences recipient you know gift recipients etc could be really valuable in a world where I'm overwhelmed in store often. Maybe you're not, but I am. Um, but I'm also overwhelmed online because I don't know what to spearfish, right? I don't know what to go look for because I don't I don't have the idea. But if I go in store, there's too many ideas. And I'm an idea person, so that's saying something. So, like, so a tool like this and, and tools like this, obviously, in social on the left side, but also on the retail side, adding social, I think are only going to help brands break through the clutter, but, but using digital as, as, as that means and that bridge to do so. Yeah, I agree. And, and just to follow up on the question is, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to double check. There's about 20 categories that Amazon will have you kind of say, are you interested or not for Inspire? And the closest thing to anything food is coffee making, which would be more around the machinery, but you're, you're looking at both kind of categories like, you know, makeup and, uh, skincare, uh, but then also kind of more activities like storage and organization and hiking. So, um, yeah, about 20 to choose from, but, but nothing in the fresh food space from, you know, from, a, from a food DG perspective. But to your point, Todd, like they get the learnings here and then they apply them somewhere else, right? And if it doesn't work, they'll do something different, right? So, um, exactly. I, I always jokingly say, remember the fire phone. And if you don't, it's because Amazon <laughs> did a really good job of making that disappear. But something will come back. <laughs> something right. got similar. Yeah, fire phone or the dash button, which led to a light. I mean, it's all a process sometimes, right? It's a test and learn. But uh, I, I think we have a story, uh, you know, maybe more on uh, monetizing video content, right? Can, can I just say that the funny thing with the dash button, this is an aside, but so when when I was in pet food, we, we were one of the first brands to get in pet food to get on the, the dash button. And to be fair, I'm not I'm not negating the – the, the channel conflict that that could have posed or shouldn't have posed to the independent class of trade because it was legit. And I, and I appreciate that there were other challenges to overcome, but we went to one of the pet specialty, uh, you know, like, like category conferences. And we actually, there was like the independent class of trade had created a button that they wore with our button and a slash through it. And they picketed our booth. Is that not nuts? So there was a dash, a dash button, anti button against the dash button that we had. And they all like, they like protested at our booth. It was like, because, because we had, we dared to go on, 
go digital. I mean, there were other things that we had to solve for for channel conflict resolution in general, as many companies do, but I just always found that really funny. Um, I, I wish I could have gotten a button with the button on it, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but um, blurring a little bit also, not only blurring the lines between retail and social, but blurring into another element of social commerce, an emerging part, and I call this making the case for live commerce because – Live commerce isn't new, to be fair. Remember HSN and QVC? It's been around for a while. Um, and actually in, in Asia Pacific, where those humongous, again, multi, you know, double digit holidays and deals, the influencer marketer, uh, influencer network, influencer marketer and live commerce capabilities are heavily used because there is often a, a stronger blur there between social and retail, but also the retailers are really behind those capabilities. And I mean, in 2021 alone, there were two live streamers, the two top live streamers in China generated $12 billion, I'm sorry, $3 billion, 12 would have been more impressive, $3 billion in 12 hours. That's still really impressive, right? Now they didn't keep all that money themselves. They obviously were, were paid, sponsored, right? But they, they enabled $3 billion worth of gross merchandise value in 12 hours on their two different channels, right? Just two people. And, and now obviously that comes with a huge risk too, because what if they said the wrong thing about my brand or they, they didn't say anything about my brand or then later the sponsor is, does something, you know, the influencer does something wrong and then now it is associated poorly with the brands. Like there's so many, obviously like with any celebrity endorsement could come with some challenges and backlash, but live, live commerce, live streaming, is a huge capability in a number of markets. Now, outside of China, like the Asia Pacific region though, the US and a couple select retailers and markets around the world have some good examples of this, but it really is dependent on the, to be fair, the retailers or the social media networks with commerce capabilities enabling this. Um, and, and because of that, we also just, the, the organic interest is relatively low. Now I say that like, 43% of U.S. adults as of October in a survey um, said they have either neither engaged in live stream commerce to date or or were interested in doing so. Now, there will always be those who say they're not interested or haven't when they haven't yet because there were limited capabilities. To be to be fair, it's been Amazon Live and then Walmart through Talkshop Live. To, outside of a couple, I would say a handful of digitally native brands or, or global brands kind of trying to do their own capabilities. So there's a little bit of quote unquote, like half the audience isn't really interested or engaged, but that's also because really 90 plus percent of retail hasn't really adopted the capability yet. So it's a mix and a match, but live streaming can be very powerful. And we do see some increased plays here. So Pinterest hosted its first shop, the holidays event on Pinterest TV. So again, social getting into the retail side. Um, Walmart has done a number of different pilots with Talk Shop Live as an example. They teamed up with uh, E Online for a for a half hour holiday themed live shopping experience. And again, you might say, well, half an hour. Well, yeah, but it was half an hour of at the audience of whoever was watching E Online. Um, that they, they actually there's some other kind of cool things. QVC and HSN, very well known for their traditional channels, um, their own traditional TV channels focused on live commerce have actually uh, are testing launching on Pluto TV, so trying to go streaming as well. Um, and then this one was actually, I thought, even cooler than the others, even though the other ones are neat headlines. 
Uh, Talk Shop Live is actually partnering either with some select digital digital billboards or even stores where they've been able to take over the store with with screen um, experiences to launch live commerce literally to pedestrians on the street. Um, so so which which again all of these are to be to be determined on their success, but we're seeing a lot of capabilities being tested and learned, and it's just a matter of one or two players actually amping them up um, into a scalable capability. And I do think Walmart and Amazon are probably poised to do the, do it best here through the traditional live commerce lens. But it, I, I don't know, Todd, what, what, what's your take on live commerce? I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of benefits when we think of merchandising, live merchandising of specific products with the endorsement of somebody unpacking the product and showing you its benefits. If you actually are captive, um, you might really convert because you're, you're going to be walked through the, the what, the why, the so what, the now what, and before actually being given the offer to go buy. So what are your thoughts on live commerce? Yeah, the, the potential is definitely there because we, we see how much, even if we just look at a PDP, right, how much a video is preferred over, you know, reading, let's say, bullet points or whatever it may be. Um I think it's it's so you know when you're going back to live commerce overall, it, it comes down to the content, right? And, right. and have, have have brands you know can I talk about it? Have, have brands really figured this out? You mentioned kind of the risk or who's doing what, but is the quality of the content what people want to connect with, or even the length of it? And maybe in the U.S. there's a little bit of you know perception because it is you know you, you mentioned QVC. Is there a negative thought of, of more people of, you know, kind of infomercials, which was typically maybe overnight or filler programming a lot, right? Um, or is it really, um, you know, you think about even uh, talk shows, right, and, and more when late night talk shows or daytime talk shows were more popular. But that was, in essence, a form of live commerce, promoting a movie, as you know, a CD back in the day or whatever. Uh, but they, you were trying to entertain someone to get them to go purchase or to go do something. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just maybe a perception thing and a content thing yet. And if, it, maybe it's even the length, right? Is, is the length of it too much? I think about Amazon has done a lot with Amazon Live and either featuring it on a Prime Day or during Cyber 5. Almost at any point, you can go right to the Amazon Live tab. And while numbers have increased, when you look at how many people are viewing it, it's not going to get a brain maybe excited in the moment of saying, oh, that, that, that's a lot of people. I have to invest more time and effort into this. So we have kind of this chicken and egg, right? When, when will brands or influencers put more, you know, uh, better, let's just say better quality that resonates and maybe great quality already, but just how do we resonate to get more eyeballs? I think the, uh, the one, you know, kind of putting the, um, the talk shop live and, and kind of storefronts is really interesting, uh, especially with the QR code. They're passing by. I think about like gas station TV, right? You got my, you got my attention. I'm going to be there for a couple minutes. So if I'm walking by or standing in line somewhere, whatever it may be, uh, maybe this does, you know, give it a little bit of a boost, but the the potential is definitely there. And and to your point, um, Todd, actually, I I go back to not, not the the original, more static experience. Uh, when we, when I was at Reckitt, we, you know, Peapod at the time, now Stop and Shop and or Giant Delivers, um, was 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 testing those you know um, subway and train station shelves of groceries really again trying to get people to trial online grocery at that time um, knowing that they might have five to ten minutes before the next you know the next train comes or you know or, you know so to your point where someone is going to have some captive attention but yet make it really easy obviously if it's 
buying groceries, if you have enough minutes, could be easy to do QR code wise, but it might be easier to do a shoppable recipe where it's like all of the things went into your cart. And now you can just kind of sort which ones you did or didn't want. If you're at the bus station or at the gas station, like you said, and you've only got a few minutes being sold one item and then being able to go QR code it and, and review for consideration and conversion, like, you know, it, it's almost like select curated spear fishing, right? For you. So, um, going back to that, but I, I think this is just a, it, I think live commerce has a lot of opportunity. And I think actually what you said, Todd, is really important. If, and not every retailer will allow us to do this, but if we could get video to almost be not, there, there are going to be some of those videos that are just like the selling video of like, it's like the animated gift that shows your, your different features and benefits, but like for, for the quick passer buyer, if you will. But if you did have like 15 or 30 second videos selling each element or unpacking the product, I think you get a lot more interest in live commerce if you actually put it at the point of purchase, not just this high funnel awareness or middle funnel consideration during prime day, but actually at that point of purchase, if every one of your hero SKUs had a, a, a live commerce video, it wouldn't be live. It would be recorded. It would be, a, you know, but that could be very powerful. I would think. Um, yeah, so. I mean, we, we don't have to look at this only as acquisition, right? A, a lot of times consumers want to, well, how do I use this or how are others using it? Or did I make this recipe right? Right. This could be a retention play afterwards, kind of as a retarget or, you know, some way of using, you know, live commerce as a, as kind of a Q and a, or, you know, kind of a, how, how do I use this product better? Right. For more retention. I think though also, you know, we talked about, you know, the dash button, uh, a story ago, you know, kind of was the bridge though to, to being okay with bringing something into your house, right? And that being the Alexa devices, you know, the, the little snippet there on the side talking about the ad age article, uh, you know, why brands are investing more in, you know, connected TV and streaming, you know, may, maybe this ends up being the bridge, right? And because it is that taking from traditional TV, you know, aspects, right? Getting on a screen for 30 seconds or, or 15, whatever it may be. But now using, you know, the benefits of retail media data or more from a digital perspective, you know, getting in people's living rooms uh, and, and having multiple people see the ad at one time. And, and a lot of these do have the ability, right, to shop from there, right? But uh, you have that captive audience. Um, you can use your first party data, you know, kind of like I mentioned. But maybe connected TV is the bridge in getting people used to this. And, and remember, with connected TV, most of the time you can't skip the ad. Uh, like there's been, you know, there's obviously been a ton of uh, traditional commercial blockers uh, back in the day from a TiVo and things like that. So uh, maybe that's the bridge to get people more used to, um, you know, the video and live commerce perspective. You know, we'll, we'll see. I think, you know, end of the day, this ends up being, everyone tries to come up with a name for it. You know, it's, it's commerce and experience, right? It's like commercial. Right, right. But, uh, you know, how, how do we reduce that friction between what we call brand or performance marketing, right? And, um, and, you know, continue to test and learn because video is, you know, is way to resonate with consumers. You know, talking another uh, portion here is brands, you know, try to still trying to perfect whether it's Google search strategies or, or optimize or develop their retail media search strategies. Uh, and maybe they're assessing, you know, do I need a voice strategy? You know, hint. Yes, you do. Uh, now brands have to be prepared for augmented search uh, with news from Google, Walmart and a collaboration here with Snapchat and, and New Balance. So, you know, kind of looking at all these, you know, looking at Google, you know, they're saying, hey, you know, the the augmented piece or, you know, consumers engage with 3D imagery 
50, 50 more than they do static uh, uh, images. So, I mean, that's a stat that's going to catch people's eyes. And then, you know, really they're highlighting, you know, from Google's perspective, you know, that 60% of surveyed consumers uh, have not purchased a beauty product because they didn't feel confident in the color choice. So how do you, again, not confuse people, but, uh, you know, bring this in. And, and so the beauty category, skincare has, has been a big one for this. Um, and I think, again, it's, it's a balance. People do want to go to stores. They do want to touch and feel things and, and, and check things out. But they are doing so, you know, we talked about digitally influenced sales. But some days you just don't have time <laughs> to get there, but you need the product. Uh, so this augmented, you know, search can be a way of fe- feeling a little bit closer to the store experience without actually having to go. Um, Walmart is doing a, a version of this. Take it, take it out of the, the beauty uh, space, but with something they're calling Trend Getter. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's an image recognition tool, and some others have this as well. But it allows shoppers to take a picture of, of what they what they want. Maybe you're at a friend's house. Maybe you're out and about. So you see something, and you take a picture, and they'll help you find, you know, help you find it on their site, and, and is there a deal, right? So when you think about this, uh, you know, from your images perspective, there's a lot of implications there we'll talk about here in a second. And then Snap, Snapchat and, and, and New Balance uh, unveiled a lens that takes, you know, kind of a mix of augmented reality and speech recognition. And remember, Walmart's doing text to shop as well, uh, but to offer gift recommendations. So just a lot of different ways here. But, you know, the, the key here is the, the, the augmented reality piece. And I think, you know, QR codes during COVID really, you know, got people maybe more used to, you know, pulling out their phone and scanning something and, and, and being okay with kind of that, how that journey happens. Right now, if you can, um, you know, take a picture of something you like, uh, fantastic. And, and, you know, New Balance, don't, don't sleep on them. I saw something on LinkedIn this morning, actually, you know, there's a Shopify year end report that says, you know, they're the number three performance footwear brand between Nike and, uh, you know, Adidas or Adidas, depending how you want to say it, tomato, tomato, uh, but with 7 billion next year. So they do a lot of these collaborations. They get really creative. Um, and, you know, limited drops, which is popular in the sneaker side, as Oscar would say for his son. But, uh, you know, I think, all three of these examples, just for brands, you know, think about the implications of in-store shopping, too, with augmented reality. You know, sure. Home Depot is probably the best one with their app of, you know, hold the phone down and you have kind of a, a, a you know, a version of a store map and hold it up and it'll give you different product details. That's coming to the, you know, if you want to call it like digital shelf, right? The digital shelf implications get even more dramatic. Um and in, in think about just how popular the Pokemon Go uh, AR adoption was back in 2016. I mean, six six years ago. So I think you know Amanda Wolf would tell us, you know, a great friend of, of First Mover here from the One Space team. You know, you really have to make sure your images are current. You know, consumer friendly descriptions. You know, have robust probably keyword. You know, hitting keywords. Because this AR piece is just going, like, from the store apps, is going to impact the in-store shopping experience as well. You know, Chris, anything to add on this one? No, well, I, 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 I think this one makes a lot of sense for, for many reasons. It's just interesting because there's been a couple tangential, like, you know, remember voice, voice search was supposed to be the big thing, and then it didn't quite take off as fast as it was, you know, even Google, I think, had some stats around it you know, some very, very large double-digit number of all searches would be voice-enabled. 
um, within a few years. Um, not that it won't get there, um, but augmented. And then now like Walmart's te- testing that text to that. That was a relatively new one that, that we didn't include in here as a headline, but we knew we were talking about this is like text to shop. Um, you know, so, so it's, there's going to be a mix of these, right? Depending on just like there, you know, there are kids that still can, that can apply handwriting skills, but then there are kids that do better and are, are better supported by being able to type out their answers and whatnot. Everybody's going to have slightly different approaches and having that, having the choices is going to help. But this augmented piece does really enable a number of things. And I guess what would be interesting, Todd, too, you know, as we wrap up this one is, um, I know a lot of retailers are looking at how they digitize the physical shelf. How far do you really have to go to digitize the shelf if you could just augment the shelf? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, do I really need to put digital, I mean, digital price strips and things like that, like Kroger and Walmart have been testing um, or piloting early tests of, you know, the digital in caps with like Dove and Giant and some stuff that I've seen headlines on in the past are all really cool and obviously could be done independent of augmented reality. But how far do I really need to digitize the physical shelf if I could just enable you with a tool that digitizes the physical shelf? You know, so that'd be interesting to see how how far the the transformation goes in store, whether they just give you just use your phone or your wearables to do it for you, you know, Um Unless it's just, you know, look what Instacart's doing with connected stores trying to help retailers with kind of the yeah. carrot tags and, and that was just what you're talking about, right? There, there's some, you know, paths here for retailers to, to do this, what you're saying. Yeah, just, I'll, I'll just let you use your tool. We gave you the tool. We're not going to do anything to the in-store infrastructure. We're just going to let it, we're going to help it work better on your tool. So, um, this is more of a quick one, but I just, I love, I, I think everybody loves, you know, thoughtful, charitable, and, and cause-related efforts, but I always love them in a retail environment because I, I don't see them done as often as I think that they could be, not just to check the box that you did it, but to do it for the purpose, because I'm, I'm originally from the brand side, so I would come at it from a, what are my big initiatives? What can, I, what can my brand stand for? What's my purpose? And then how do I activate that um, and, and so not that I was perfect at it when I was doing it, but I, I, I always value this opportunity to do more of a cause campaign. And it doesn't have to just be charity. It could be pride or, or other causes that matter um, to us all. So, so, but what this was kind of a cool Walmart obviously has like fight hunger and other things. Obviously, a lot of our retailers have their own programs. It's just whether they enable consumers to participate or whether they enable brands to participate or, or neither, right? And so, um, Walmart just launched Spark Good, which is a roundup holiday campaign, which lets customers round up their purchases. Again, not net new, um, but not everybody does this. Um, and they let, allow you to change, like donate the change to your favorite charity. Um, I imagine there's a set number of those, but kind of thinking about like Amazon Smile as an example, as a way where you could choose the charity that you want to, uh, you, you want to donate to. Um, I, you know, I, I for this goes back to when I, I don't know if anybody ever watched that, that show on Discovery Channel, Whale Wars, but I really thought that I, I loved the idea of vigilantes going out on the open waters to stop uh, international poachers from ki- killing whales. Um, and I've never been necessarily a whale buff, but I loved that concept of like people going out to stop, not hurting the bad people, the poachers, but stopping them, like inhibiting them from being able to kill the whales. And so that was the Sea Shepherd organization. And I've chosen that on Smile and I've donated several thousand dollars. It sounds like over, over the many, many years that, that 
uh, buy many things from Amazon and it, and it donating a percentage of that. Um, but I, I love that kind of concept. But what I'd say is this might not enable like Walmart may do this for themselves, not necessarily say, hey, brands, come on board and support me. But A, if you were a brand and partnering with Walmart, can you? Could you offer to make it bigger post the holidays, next holiday? And if not helping them directly on this program, can you bring your own program, right? Like there are a lot of brands who are doing elements of, oh, by the way, when you buy us, we donate to this. Or, hey, we donate this amount every year, but that only is supported by your your purchase of our products. And that can actually be a very good way to help justify your premium price and your your brand equity at a time when maybe private brands or less expensive brands are getting a benefit of, of the concern over inflation, right? So, um, but, but anything that can, and, and I would say it does drive a lift. Um, when I, when we did cause campaigns, um, at three different companies of, of that I work for online, we saw anywhere from a seven to 15% lift, um, with no promotion at all. Just, just that, just full price and there's a donation element. So, um, it does work if you set it up right for your brand, and um, and obviously that gives you something to do retail media on or influencer programs or social commerce around, which is kind of cool. Yeah, first mover, you, you, you know, Chris and Oscar are always talking, helping us out in the industry, you know, talking about what's what's the latest in the metaverse, what are the implications. I mean, listen, it's it's still early, which has been mentioned, and there's been some tough recent headlines. But I think savvy brands are, you know, really figuring out how to sift through the noise and, and, and some key learnings to build on. So, so here are some more examples um, of some brands doing it. And again, you know, a lot of this does come into the, you know, the shoe space or the apparel space, um, as well as you know, some some food companies diving in or, or restaurants. Um, but uh, again, uh, Adidas or Adidas. Uh, has two different, uh, you know, things, you know, that they're investing. They've really, you know, said, hey, we are going to be uh, in the metaverse. We want to be the athletic gear, the performance athletic gear of the metaverse. And so, you know, they're doing something that's going to tie in with a community-based membership, you know, open metaverse strategy. So no matter where you uh, where you choose to be uh, in the metaverse, you can uh, you can wear your Adidas virtual gear uh and then they're also partnering with snapchat um you know to do some drops right some fashion drops that allow people uh to you know dress their avatars uh with with the latest uh from adidas you know we we've seen um you know some others you know paxson is one with their with their golden wings where those avatar uh add-ons become then real items right they've made t-shirts from it and some of their best sellers uh and not to be done in the footwear space you know nike is launching dot swoosh uh, which is a plat- platform that has its own domain. Uh, and, you know, it, it's really, you know, designed to really help people, again, community, you know, talk, you know, collect different things, you know, do some trading, uh, all with uh, interactive digital objects. Um, so this could be things like, you know, shoes or jerseys. But, you know, when you look at the three of these and then the Starbucks example that's here uh, at the end, which is doing uh, another NFT-based loyalty program, you kind of the theme here is is community, right? Take take the noise out of it of, of the risk of NFTs and other things you've heard, or there's not enough traffic there. You you have a small but sincere group here, uh, and there is real revenue being uh, made if you're doing it right. Again, do you have the right content? Are you resonating with the consumers? I think you know, end of the day, it's about community, and and how can this help? 
you know, every brand and depending on what category you are, it, you're going to make your own decisions on how much time and effort and money you want to invest in this. But you don't want to do nothing, right? Because then when and if it does become more mainstream, you don't want to be starting from scratch. So I think, you know, the learnings can be, well, what are, what are things that we can build community with? We can do that within our first party data piece. We can do that within content. If we can create content here in the metaverse and the complexity there, maybe it speeds up our product detail page, uh, content creation. So, uh, you know, still pay attention to it, sift through the noise, but this, this is not going away. And I think the community aspect, uh, part of it and, and why someone would want your NFT or your token, uh, is a really interesting thing for brands to look at. Chris, anything else on this one? No, no, 100%. And, and I would always say too, it, it kind of goes back to like, and I just think about like some of these one-off kind of like pilot tests that different brands have done or where, and again, I'm, I'm personal experience. I just remember early e-commerce. Um, when I was at Reckitt, we were trying to we were trying to figure out how to crack the fact that in allergy and cold and cough, cold and flu medicine, people you know it's like 90% of people that are feeling the symptoms are feeling it now, and they need solution now. And so naturally, quick commerce would have been a lot like really valuable um, a long time ago for just that mission, along with other one-off missions of when you need something immediately. But, you know, it wasn't until some of our quick commerce players got some scale um, and, and some par- you know, partnerships with the likes of the Instacarts of the world, too, who could aggregate and get things to people fast, and now DoorDash as well. You didn't have that capability, so you were lucky to be able to get something next day if they spent a lot of money um, and, and if you ordered before this uh, unusual time. But doing a campaign like that behind our Mucinex brand or – even though maybe a very, very small number of people might have actually converted, it one, it helped us practice the chops to your point, Todd. And then also it 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 was a brand equity opportunity. And again, I wasn't the one measuring the equity element, but it was communicating that this is your need and we tried to solve for that. Not everyone was open to doing that or was eligible, but it reinforces that we solve we we have this purpose for you and we solve for this, we are this solution to you. Um and I do think Again, and, 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 you know, a Nike or an Adidas or whatnot is going to have a different play than, you know, Coca-Cola or Pepsi or, or you know, uh, you know L'Oreal or, or, or any brands. I mean, they're going to have different plays, obviously. But they're, to your point, testing and learning, even do something really well but very small as a way to flex your muscle and, and connect it to the brand. Like you said, back to content and relevance. And you'll be ready for whenever something you'll, – you'll be more ready than the, the majority of folks – for what really comes, because you want to spend all your money on something that failed at, at scale, but you will have tried something small, built some equity, and then be ready to try something bigger. Um, yeah, I mean, if you go back far enough, there's predictions of the internet going, you know, the dot-com bubble not going to be around. Amazon won't exist anymore, right? If you read Brad Stone's book, uh, Everything's Stored in the iPhone, Steve Ballmer said it would never survive. So, I mean, you, you have to sift through the noise uh, and test and learn. So, yeah, there's a lot. And this could be a great employee retention piece, too, for brands. This is a stretch goal, right? If, if, if you have the time and the resources for someone that wants a different challenge, uh, maybe maybe this is something either as a short-term assignment, as a part-time thing. Like th- this can maybe uh, you know kind of keep employees that are looking for a different challenge. And I know we only got a couple minutes left, Todd, so maybe we can hit these ones quickly because I wanted to hit some of the so, some more inspirational things as we're leaving going into the holidays, and, and maybe can sit on those for a while longer. But we do have some other, uh, you know. 
maybe closer to home, right? Some of the last mile innovation. So I just thought this was interesting examples of either, as we like to say, adding flavor or removing friction, right? So Target, who's done, I thought, a very thoughtful job of going fully omni as far as, as traditional omni channel is defined today, not only obviously has expanded their drive up and, and, you know, shipped delivery capabilities, but also is looking for ways like many to add other values to some of these experiences and add more convenience. And so they're, since Starbucks has partnered with Target over the years and has a number of Starbucks locations across Target stores, um, Target will be able to deliver Starbucks food and beverages and a lot of its drive up uh, curbside locations. Um, this is also, even though this was from the last month's news, uh, you know, Walmart was adding curbside returns, um, as had Best Buy as an example during COVID. So again, trying to make click and collect as, as convenient as possible. And then I thought this one was really interesting too. Amazon has confirmed that it's testing uh, a partner, a select partnership with Staples stores for in, in-person drop up, drop off of product returns. Um, so again, almost Staples playing into that Kohl's returns play, um, which again, if you can't beat them, join them. If you can find that symbiotic synergy, this was also interesting though. I, I wasn't aware of, but this kind of, it's interesting. Staples is also selling select Amazon branded products in stores and online. So that's a very interesting play where Amazon may not need to own all the brick and mortar stores. They just happen to be in many of the, the brick and mortar stores or offer the white labeled just walkout technology, right? They, they could either white label the tech or uh, not white label the brands, right? But, but like private label the brands, right? As well, which is kind of interesting since they have great reviews and thousands of validations online, not to mention might be a lower price and be, you know, a differentiator for a Staples or someone else to carry. So I thought this was really interesting. Yeah, some other ones, you know, looking at some some retailer partnerships and capabilities. You know, we look at Kroger, uh, looking at uh, sushi and floral, you know, some different categories, uh, you know, that they're going to use DoorDash uh, to help deliver and, and, and expand that part of their business. Walgreens going 24 hours delivery uh, in, in select locations where available. Uh, but again, you, you know, using DoorDash, which which is kind of the theme as we look through these. But um, you, know, you think about GoPuff kind of having the overnight uh, market. Uh, Walgreens is saying, hey, let's we have 24 hour stores too. Uh, needs arise at any point. How can we help satisfy consumer need? Uh, you know, Sephora again, DoorDash is the partner here. See the theme continue. Uh, but really, you know, how can they uh, find, you know, how can the consumer find beauty products and get them delivered quickly? Uh, again, maybe using some AR. Uh, we combine some of these stories here. And then, uh, then not to be forgotten, but uh, Uber Eats, uh, as they also try to expand more than just, um, you know, from the food and their, you know, from Uber, from the rideshare piece, but uh, working with Spartan Nash and, and a lot of their different banners, including Grocery Outlet, uh, to deliver more of, you know, whether it's either small regional grocery uh, locations or, or the C-stores that are part of Spartan Nash. So all these different, uh, you know, DoorDash with their with more restaurants and Uber with more rideshare and Uber Eats with restaurants, expanding into the CPG or, or different kind of uh, markets with grocery. So um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. But it's all about convenience, right? I mean, how can you help oh. others? And, and this plays very interestingly into convenience. Again, we, we, we know drones are sitting out there, right? Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, Kroger, Amazon. Many have been testing and are testing. Um, latest news, Amazon unveiled a new delivery drone design on its website. 
um, as it continues to try to accelerate its prime air service uh, beyond planes at this moment. Um, the newest drone design will be undergoing a lot of evaluation by the FAA and others to ultimately approve and validate safety, effectiveness, reliability, et cetera. Um, the point being, though, is there's science behind this. There's engineering behind this. It's going up against full government scrutiny because this is a future that many see as the future. And I think I go back to a stat that for drones that I thought always interesting. 85% of what Amazon ships every day could fly from a weight and a dimension perspective via drone. Not that they will ship all 85% via drone, but if you could automate and get the efficiency or maybe cost savings of and speed for 10% of your purchases in the, in the first five years. I mean, that could be massive offset to the cost to launch these on day one, let alone the, the, the first mover advantage you get uh, from launch. I just think this is a very, like, again, this may not be in every second future of every single retailer all the time, you know, by 2025, but this is coming and there, there's an agenda here. There's money here. There's approvals here, and if they meet all those requirements, this could be very much a reality very, very quickly in a lot of a lot of states in the U.S., not to mention other markets too. Yeah, I, yeah. So, and yeah, the drones obviously, you know, they've been in the headlines a lot, not in the air as much, but it's good to see that granularity, weather resistant, noise, re- you know, reducing. Uh, so, so exciting times for that. Uh, last one we have here is, uh, you know, Amazon's introducing a supply chain transparency tool. If you think about everything that's going on, uh, you know, re- really since COVID and, you know, obviously supply chain has definitely been in the news. But supply chain teams within brands probably deserve more credit and recognition for how much they've had to deal with uncertainty and, and, and just ambiguity and trying to figure everything out the last few years. Um, so I think, you know, whether it's political weather, uh, you know, a lot of different things that they've had to deal with. So I think this tool that Amazon is launching might resonate with teams and when, when brands kind of look at it. And, and Amazon's point on this one is, you know, trying to help brand or help, you know, brands and supply chain teams look forward, combine a lot of their data so that they can have better visibility to their inventory, where the opportunities are, and not be looking backwards maybe at old data. So, you know, there's a cost to this, more more to come and see what that is and is it is it worth it for brands. But I think the concept there, uh, especially as, you know, companies are looking for more profitability, you know, RGM type of things, how, you know, if you can get better at your forecasting, you could get better with more real-time data in a way that uh, is is streamlined, you know, a lot of potential for this one. You know, there's at least one other retailer that has something similar, so this isn't a brand-new concept necessarily for, for brands, but I think how Amazon's version adopts AWS, and you don't have to be an AWS customer necessarily, will be interesting in, in how much it does help, uh, you know, supply chains that, that definitely need the support. Todd, I want to just thank you so much for, A, filling in, but also bringing your amazing brain and all you, – you're out there finding stuff faster than we have a chance to find stuff often. So we are so – we were honored and excited to have you fill in. I'll tell Oscar he can stay on vacation for a lot longer um, so we can have you back. But we'd love to, love to have you back as a co-host, and I know we'll have you on future panels and whatnot as well. Um, but thank you again, and, and obviously I wish you and your family and friends a wonderful holiday and new year, um, if we don't talk before the new year, but I'm sure we will. No, thank you. The honor is all mine, and happy holidays to everyone out there. Thank you for everything First Mover does.
Um, and, and obviously, while the year is ending and we can cry about that, we don't have to cry for too long because we got a whole lot more events for you. But we want you to take that break. So we'll be back, you know, hitting the ground strong um, in January with our next Cyber Monday. We talked about that what to expect when you're selecting, which was a stork reference to that baby book that I love so much. Um, Sheared 2, which is our change management event. And then kicking off with our Instacart in February, Walmart in March, and so on. So, again, firstmover.com forward slash events. You can get access to all those free events for you. Um, and, again, they all count towards your Torch uh, did, you know, uh, Next Commerce uh, Leadership Certification Program, which is also free. And you can find more about that at firstmover.com forward slash torch. Um, you get credit as for any and all events you attend live or on demand from us, and we'll be adding more events to come. So, uh, thank you, Todd, again. Um, I'll thank Oscar, even though he's a far, you, you've always been a first mover. Let's make it a f- official. Please follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, please keep coming to our events. Let other people know about the events. Again, they're free and they're here to help democratize actionable learnings and insights in the space. So have a great one, everyone. Have a great holiday and happy new year. We'll see you in January.